This latest podcast is brought to you by our sponsors, Focal USA and the Council on Queen West. Also, be sure to register your email address on our website, centerofusenation.com, for all our weekly updates directly to your inbox. Welcome to this podcast of Center of Use Nation. This is Pat LaRusso. I'm once again joined by my co-host, Anthony Sino. Anthony, this has been a crazy two-week span in Leafs Nation. You know, the team goes 5-0-1. So many exciting things happened. Austin Matthews finally ties um, Rick Vives, you know, a franchise record. Before we kind of go into some, dive deep into the last couple of weeks and some of the hot topics, I just want to kind of get your overall thoughts on what has been a pretty crazy two weeks for Leafs. Uh, overall, I, I, I it's pretty hard to not be happy with the uh, – with the record since let's just call it the trade deadline as kind of like an arbitrary, not, not even arbitrary. It seems like a popular reference point um, to, uh, to go back to, because really that's when your team is set. You, uh, you have your, like, these are your players. You, you, there's no one else coming in unless you have like some college free agents or some, or guys overseas or whoever that are signed to NHL deals, blah, blah, blah. But it really does sound like um, that's the place that you got to go back to, to get a good grasp of where you can see this team going in the playoffs. And in that, in that sense, when you look back to March 21st, they go uh, a pretty tidy game against the devils. They get goalied against Montreal. They go on a back-to-back, they go and beat Florida um, with uh, Peter Mrazek in that. They go and kick the shit out of Boston in Boston. They go and kick the shit out of the Jets at home. They go and play a pretty weak game, I would say, against Philly, uh, but just found their way like good teams do and find a way to beat the piss out of a, uh, out of a bad team, which, funny enough, the Leafs really have trouble of doing is beating bad teams. Uh, and, uh, and then they go into Tampa and – uh, myself, I was, I, I thought that might've been their best game of the year. Um, but I just, it was, it was really good going to Tampa and, and, and beat up them as well. Tampa has been struggling and we could talk about that as well, but, and then on the last game on in Florida, you, uh, another classic leaf collapse, but um, when you look in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's hard to be upset. Right, it's eleven out of twelve points, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Right, they got they played five. Yeah, they're five zero and one six, in the last seven, six. Five zero and one in the last six. So even if you expand that out to the trade deadline, what they lost? They're seven two and one in the last ten. Seven two and one in the last ten. So there you go. That was yeah. That was my. You, I think that was the last reference fi- point. So you got fifteen points out of twenty. Right, you're playing at a seven fifty win percentage. Uh, is that since the trade deadline or no? Might be a little, might be a little farther. That's five, five, six, seven, eight. So, just roughly before the trade deadline, where they beat Carolina yeah. and lost to Nashville. So, um, two losses in reg is uh, is 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 a very small number, especially in ten games, and especially considering the quality of teams that they've played. So, it's good that they're grabbing points. I'm happy with 
the overall results. I think the team's starting to pick up their intensity a bit. You can tell that it was uh, that some fatigue came in for sure in the last game. Like you, like you, and we'll get into the collapse later. But overall, um, I think that they really showed that they could hang with the best. And that's what Sheldon Keefe tried to emphasize at the end of that Florida game there is that they were not going to focus on the losing the one point in Florida, but they're going to focus on the fact that they, that they showed that they not only can hang with the best teams in the league, but they could also beat the shit out of them too. So that's a, that's a, a positive overall positive outlook on these last stretches of games. Yeah, that's kind of just been like my takeaway is, you know, for a season that everyone kind of wrote off, like what I've always found amusing is the same people that prior to the season said that the Leafs would be lucky to even be a lottery team are the same people that can't give this team credit when they sit fourth in, in the standings in the entire league. Like we're talking about a team that's fourth in the NHL, but playing not only in a division that's essentially a blood sport, but even a conference. Like, you look at one through eight and compare it to the West. It's a blood sport in the East. Yeah. Yeah. The, the standings are an absolute gong it's, show. I think if you look at, show. if you rank the, all the NHL teams in points percentage, the top 10 teams, let's just, I'm, I'm picking that number. Like the top 10 teams ranked in points percentage. Uh, you have one, two, three Western teams. And two of those three Western teams are eight and ninth ranked. So it's literally Colorado first, who's like a decent, like only two points up on Florida. And then it goes Florida, Carolina, Toronto, New York, Boston, Tampa, then Calgary, then Minnesota. And then finally the Pittsburgh Penguins. So it, it, it is really insane how like the discrepancy between the conferences, it just goes to speak uh, like of how strong the East is and how difficult the, uh, it will be to get to for that team that comes out of the East. You know what I mean? It seems yeah. like, and every, and I believe they said this last, well, maybe not last year because the, the matchups would have been different because the conferences weren't necessarily the same, but uh, like if I'm Colorado and Calgary and, and I guess Minnesota in this case, but mo- mainly Calgary and Colorado, like you got to be looking your chops here. Like that you got, you got a solid team that you can, confidently look at and say like hey we gotta just take care of our business and we could basically wake up in a month after the playoffs start and we're in a stanley cup final you know what i mean whereas it seems a little bit more uh difficult to uh project in the east but like like you say uh like we say all the time right like you got to beat the best teams if you want to end up lifting the trophy at the end. So if, if this is the way it's got to be, then the Leafs just got to have that uh, business-like mentality th- throughout this regular no, I'm just, season. Honestly, I'm not even looking it. at the playoffs. I'm just saying, look at the regular season. Like, legit, just look at the, what the Leafs have done to the rest of the league in the regular season. Because no one knows how things will play in the playoffs. Stuff happens. It's it's it's. I almost relate it back to our conversation around goaltending. It's very voodoo. We've seen teams go on runs which we would never think would be possible. Um, you know what I mean? Like, but looking at what they've done, essentially, they're how many games into the season? 73, 74 now? 
They are 70 games in. They got 12. 70, so they got 12. So my, my math is off. So my apologies. Um, but like even 70 games in for a regular season that everyone had this team pegged as lucky to be a wild card. I, 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 I don't know what more this team could do. And then like, then, then this actually leads us to our next conversation about all these blown leads. The team may have blown leads, but the record after two periods of leading a game is 33, one and three. After leading by, after leading by, after uh, two periods, after two periods. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, look, I I think, and and honestly, Pat, when we were talking about what we were going to talk about, uh, or what we, when we were talking about what the, the podcast topic should be, and you brought this up, I was, I kind of felt on that uh, on when you brought this up that I felt, I, I felt like I was a little bit more negative than you towards the team. Um, but now that you mention it like that, and we talk about like blown, largely blown leads, like the Leafs have had, I believe someone made it like, this isn't the first time they blew a five, one lead. It was like, um, I want to say against Ottawa or some other last year, and then maybe another team. So let's just call it three. It might be more the four, like, like always say, Oh, back to the four, one blown lead in Toronto. Like, I don't even care about that. It really doesn't matter to me. Um, I'm talking about like this era of Toronto Maple Leafs. And to be fair, like this team has blown some leads in the playoffs. Yes. After two, like they were leading against Boston in 2018, I believe. Uh, after two periods and then uh, they and then I think that's one of the main only playoff blown leads that I can recall from this era Um, then obviously like a larger blown lead of a series against Montreal last year Um, and then oh sorry the one in Columbus in the bubble they blew one two and lost in overtime I remember but then they counteracted that with their own miracle comeback that literally the night after but anyways let's just talk about like the regular season in this case and with that i think what people need to really wrap their heads around is just how like momentum swings in a hockey game go so i'll I'll pull up the game the game notes from that uh that florida game just because it's in our in recent memory okay yeah and we'll go to when the maple leafs scored the fifth yeah but before that i'm saying let's just go to when the maple leafs scored the fifth goal yeah you know what I mean? And I think Muzzin scored. So Muzzin scores with 840 left in the second period. Or sorry, 840 passed in the second period. Yeah. So there's 11 minutes and 20 seconds left in the period. We're not even halfway through the game and it's 5-1. What I want people to understand is I'm pretty sure that the shots were relatively even. If not, Florida had more. Uh, no, Florida had a little bit. I think it was a slight advantage at that point. Right. So what really happened there is that, okay, the Leafs scored four goals in basically eight minutes. Right. And they take a commanding lead. And at that point, you're thinking like, okay, this is in the bag. But there's still a half hour of hockey to play yeah. against the team that played the night before. Florida's well-rested. That you could clearly see as time was going on, the Leafs were getting tired. Like it was very evident. And you just, it's not something that was, I was numb to it. And I'm not numb to it because it was a Leaf fan. It's because like that happens because 
that's the way hockey works. You have a goalie that gets filled in Bobrovsky for eight straight minutes and the Leafs take a lead. And you could, can, you can, sorry, criticize them for their, maybe their ability to inability to not lock it down, but that's a half hour to lock it down. You know what I mean? Against a rested team. And when you have a goalie, who's your fourth string goalie, um, let in a goal like Gudis is like the Reinhardt goal. Okay. Whatever. Like they go and score one on the power play. Um, we'll talk about the defense and why that guy's allowed to score those goals from those areas uh, later in the podcast. But like, as soon as that Gudis goal goes in, you just know that that's the life that they needed. Yeah. You know what I mean? They make it five, three and like the Leafs were up only five. It was five, one for, literally just over three minutes and then a, a minute later they score the shorthanded goal yeah. by Gudis. so it turned around very quickly from like yeah they blew a 5-1 lead but in like three minutes later it was 5-3 yeah. and how many teams have blown a 5-3 lead in this year like it's no there's not that stat doesn't exist because it's a very common occurrence it's not you know what I mean so yeah it's just momentum swing. So that's why I'm not really worried about the, the narrative around losing after you're leading 5-1. I'm more worried about how they played when they were tired and why that that's a concern for me. We'll get into the specifics later, but the, the, the people just like to clown on the Leafs. And, and we've talked about this for a long time, Pat, on – and I know other podcasts specifically like the Steve Dangle podcast, they talk about it too is like, and Jeff Merrick has mentioned this Elliot Friedman, like other organizations. And I'm not sure if I've even mentioned this to you, Pat, but other organizations like, like they think messing with the Leafs is like the running joke. Like they like to be bullied. They like, they, or they like to bully the Leafs. People said that five teams put in a claim for Harry Sateri. You're telling me that that would be like, people don't want the, the leaves to succeed because it's the running joke. And, and you know what, that's fine. Like if we're going to live in rent free in the heads of 31 other NHL franchises, that's fine. But Leafs nation needs to understand, like you can't get mad if people are clowning on you because like we're the most relevant franchise. We, we basically feed the mouths of 15 other NHL franchises. You know what I mean? We're the reason why they exist. And they still like to clown on us. Okay, that's fine. But that's that's just the reality that you have see, to deal with. See, personally, I don't even mind other fans. I think based on my conversations on Twitter, I've been able to have a more objective hockey conversation with rival fans where I really do struggle with some of our local media. Like... There was the one tweet from Mike from Buffalo, which I took I took offense to. And I, I think I sent it in our group chat, my response back. Um, let me let me pull it up. But you know what I mean, right, Anthony? Like it's it, it's when we dog our own team that frustrates me more. It's I like provide that. people context. Provide people context. Like But that doesn't like, sell, Pat. He, like Okay, read the read the tweet and then we can we can talk about it. Yeah, and then yeah, he's like, I hear the arguments that the Leafs got three out of four points against two of the NHL's top teams, but when you're leading five one, when you're leading five one midway through the game and you don't get the victory, it reinforces the fears of the club's defensive and 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 net minding shortcomings. Okay, can and I then, jump? So, oh, go ahead. Sorry. So, okay, you go so ahead. 
this was, and I know Anthony, you agreed with the tweet, um, but I remember a time when it was the Leafs that were the comeback kids when they were always down and they were coming back and winning games. I don't remember them being everyone's sweethearts. I remember everyone, the narrative around the Leafs were you can't play catch up hockey in the playoffs. You can't be losing and think you're going to come back in the playoffs. The game gets tighter. You got to play defense. Florida has watched Brabovsky get chased out of their net his last five starts. Five. His la- they, they literally mentioned it in the game against Florida when the Leafs chased him out. So, so I, I, on this front, like, we could talk about Florida if that's what you want to do. I personally put the Leafs think, into the larger scale. Like, I agree with you. We sometimes look no, at the no, Leafs I understand. like they operate in a league where they don't play the same teams as everyone else. No, that, that I agree with. And I'll, and I'll point, and I'll, well, to pick on Mike for a second here, I'm just going to take a clip of, not a clip, I'll, I'll take a quote from this tweet where I just think, you'll lose me. You know what I mean? I'll tell you when he loses me in the tweet. So I'm going to repeat it again. Sorry, but uh, here are the arguments. Leafs got three of a possible four. I'm paraphrasing a bit here. Got against two of the NHL's best teams. When you're leading 5-1 midway through the game and you don't get the victory, it just reinforces. And he has, like, I'm fine here. It just reinf- If you want to use that part where you're leading 5-1 midway through the game, and you don't get the victory, it just reinforces. If he were to say something different than what he's about to say, he might have. I might be willing to listen. But when you just talk about the fears of the club's defensive and net-minding shortcomings, you've lost me. Because you know what that tells me, what Mike's thinking? Mike just knows that he's putting himself in the bucket for me, personally, and I do this with a lot of Leafs media, uh, specifically, is... I just throw them in the bucket of like, they're just there to pick up the low hanging fruit of bad goaltending shitty on defense. Like if you don't like, I know that people don't actually know the problems of the Leafs team when they just say bad goaltending shitty defense. Like they don't got the defense. They don't don't got the goaltending to make a run. When you say that to me, you lose me when you're talking about the Leafs. I'm sorry, because that tells me that you haven't watched every game and you may watch some, or you may check the box score and you see the goals against or whatever you to me show that you're a joke, frankly, because you're the, the numbers and, and I'm hate to pull out analytics, but like the, it's not analytics to show that the Leafs don't let in or allow a lot of scoring chances. Like they're actually quite good at preventing scoring chances. It's really that their goaltending was on a three month, Pro, like bender. problem bender yeah. like, you know what they're I on a three-month so, bender and what we've seen when the goaltending can be average at the very least they can beat the best teams in the league they've beaten the best teams in the league with shitty goaltending yeah so, so what why i'm why my uh, mike specifically loses me here is he just goes back to the lazy narrative and that to me is just but like, then but then you, okay, you let's, just let's get even, thrown in the trash can really like but then, I call it but then let's it go the let's, but let but Anthony let's let's even just say that like let's just run with this narrative. My next when I first saw that tweet, my initial 
reaction was, let me go see what the Leafs' goal differential was. Let me go see what their penalty kill was. They're fifth in the league in penalty kill, and they're fourth in the league for goal differential as a team. Yeah. What does that... Okay, I'm not going to curse. I'm going to try not to curse. But what does that say about the team? Let it fly. Let it fly. Who cares? Why? Like, what does it fucking say about the teams below them that still get talked about like they're contenders when the numbers don't show it? Like, the least like the least could be like they're they're first in the pen- power play, fifth in penalty kill. They're first in shorthanded goals scored. They are. Um, what's another metric that I, I saw that was quite amazing? Um, even just the fact that they they are second in a division where the top three, even four teams, will have over ninety points. Ninety. They already have ninety. They're gonna, right. Oh, everyone might. The top there, four there, teams have no, over ninety points. There's a there's a world. So let's say twelve. There's a more than seventy five percent chance that there's a world where. Four teams all, have over 100 four points. Teams, all four teams in the Atlantic. Oh, 100, they're all going to clear. Like Tampa, Tampa, Boston, Toronto, and Florida all sit at 70 games played. So there's a possible 24 points available for them right now. Florida, 104. They're already clear. Toronto, yeah. 96. They're going to clear. Boston, 93. They're going to clear. Tampa, 93. They're going to clear. So literally all – the like Tampa and Boston just have to win six of their remaining 12 games. That's just literally 500 hockey. And they finish with 105 points. There's a realistic chance that all four teams finish with 110 points or more. You know what That's I mean? Crazy. In the same division. Like it, it, is, but then, cra- but then, it really but then, is unheard but then, of. Like, but then how do the Leafs not gain any respect when you look at the larger perspective? You know what I mean? Like when you start, when you stop micro analyzing the Leafs and you micro analyze the entire league, the Leafs rank quite high. And when we're looking at the playoffs and people give me this crap all the time, oh, what, you think they're going to win the Stanley Cup? There's a part of me that actually does. And here's why. They're not playing any teams outside of the playoffs in the playoffs. No, I I agree with that. But like, I I just think what happens with... Again, with the common narrative is, and I and I'm not even like the people that talk bad and try and discredit the Leafs. There's a couple guys like um, a couple of the Boston guys from Spit and Chicklets. They're just saying all. No, but, but that's first but that's, but that's fine. But, but like they're, they're, they're they might be poking fun, but my point is is that like, and in a way they have a point of like until they do it, like I can't comp, I, I I won't give them credit that they can. If, if you know what, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? Like, like for example, Florida or I'm sorry, Tampa Bay, you know what I mean? Cause it works both ways too, Pat. No, no Tampa, Tampa gets credit because they won. Tampa, but then, okay, here, Tampa then here's my gets question the benefit of the dope because they won back to back Stanley cups. You could argue they've been the fourth best team in the division this year. Andre Vasilevsky, if he's not playing otherworldly, like Tampa can be had, you know what I mean? Yeah. Tampa can definitely be had. And Vasilevsky has been struggling lately. And, and Boston seeing, with Swayman. And you're, and you're seeing Tampa lo- like lose a little, like lose games. Yeah. Like they lost to Washington again last night. You know what I mean? Tampa's got, a, or sorry, Boston. Okay. Put, like revert, take the roster of Boston, put it in Leaf jerseys, take the roster of the Toronto Maple Leafs, put them in uh, 
Boston Bruins jerseys. The Leafs are going in with a rookie goalie who, so now I'm, by saying the Leafs, I'm actually talking about Boston, the, or let's just call it that, whatever. The Bruins are going in with a rookie goalie who's having a really solid year, fantastic, um, but, and they make a big trade for uh, Hampus Lindholm, but they have a 37-year-old number one center who, mind you, is probably going to win the Selkie this year, but really nothing that special behind him. You got Marshawn, you got Pasternak, and you got Lindholm. But to add a little more spice to the mix, Pasternak has not been practicing lately. He's hurt. Lindholm could is apparently week to week, I heard. So, like, their big deadline acquisition is week to week. And the overall NHL media is not talking about, like, the worrisome of the Boston Bruins. And, like, no. this is their last run for the Bruins. And then here's my question, Anthony. And People say that the Leafs, that. but Anthony, here's my other question. And I, I like to get your response. People say that the Leafs, we don't know what the Leafs are and we can't give them credit because they haven't won in the playoffs. Well, there's a team out in Florida called the Panthers that haven't made the playoffs in years. So how, how do we know what they're going to be when we've well, they made seen, it, they made it last year. They, they, they didn't made, go. F- yeah. No, no, no. They lost in the first round of Tampa. It was a hell of a series. Like, I understand they haven't they haven't won a playoff series won. in 1996. Exactly, right? Yeah. So, so as much as we like to harp on the Leafs haven't won a playoff series since whenever, right? Early 2000s, I would assume now, right? Because they the didn't Leafs, win anything with Burke. Yeah, the Leafs haven't won since 2004, I believe. Right, but Florida hasn't won since 1996. Yeah, so right? the, like with, with that. Like again, that's just narrative building. You know what I mean? That's narrative building, right? So, that's so exactly people, the so, point. So people, people will talk about it, and they'll just say, "Well, like, hey, like they haven't shown it yet." Until you show it, the general public will never believe it. But Florida you know hasn't I mean? shown it. So why are we in so, anointing Florida so, so, as a contender? It, exactly because people are saying, like, "Well, you know what? They got a good core." Like, ex- it's because not a lot of people pay attention to Florida. You know what I mean? But, but, watched, that, but that, that, that goes back to my Florida, earlier point. I've watched Florida for a lot of games recently over the last month because I've just figured that it could, it's a possible playoff opponent, and I usually do that when, uh, when the time comes, right? When the, when it, the, the playoff opponents kind of get settled, I, I talk about or, or I start watching um, these teams, and I want to see what their faults are. Florida, to me, they spent a lot on Sherratt. They spent a lot on Giroux. And I just don't see the fit there with both of them. Hell, they can make a run to the cup final and they can make me eat my words. But I see that team. I watch them a little bit before the deadline. I still watch them now. Giroux looks like he's running a race, like a relay race, and he is the slowest guy there. He can't keep up with the rest of the team. That team, Florida is built on like speed, 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 like not by not just speed and skill, like they'll hit you and they'll, they'll hit you hard, but they are a team that plays on. Like, I, I just like, co- they're all, all on cocaine. You know what I mean? Like they're just running gone. Like they're pushing at the pace. Vertically. But doesn't that sound like that, a local they, team here? Well, people will say that the Leafs actually don't. I, I like to think that they're not like that as much. They're anymore. not at that anymore. No, but that's what I'm saying is that floor, they made these deadline acquisitions and it just doesn't seem, I, I just, don't see Florida as a, as a threat necessarily. Like hell, if they're going to, if they want to get into a, a track meet with the lease, 
clearly the Leafs can go play with them. You know what I mean? Leafs can the, win it in seven. The Leafs can win. They want to do a track meet. meet. The Leafs will win it. You know what I mean? The Leafs, like they will, could do that. The Leafs will win a track meet. Your your bet, and then it, that's where it comes into goaltending. And really, and funny enough, both teams are are struggling with their goaltending goal concerns. You know what I mean? So, but Jack really Campbell is coming back has played well. Yeah, and the and Florida not only has Bobrovsky, but they have Spencer Knight, who is, uh, mind you, a rookie or not necessarily a rookie. He played a couple games in the playoffs last year, but he's a good goalie. You know what I mean? He shut the door a bit last game. So, but Bobrovsky can be had. Bobrovsky, like if the Leafs have goals, yeah, anyone can be had. I, I, I really do think that when you look at the goaltending in the East, when you actually look at all the goaltending in the East of all the eight playoff teams, the only two that I would be confident in saying like, okay, we have the advantage in goal is Tampa Bay again with Vasilevsky and the Rangers with Shesterkin. You know what I mean? Like those. But are even Shesterkin hasn't played well lately. He, he struggled lately, but okay, even but guys are up and down. But I'm just talking about their overall body of work. It's like if I'm looking at it, them versus the Leafs, like I'll take Campbell in a coin flip with Bobrovsky or Knight. I'll take Campbell in a coin flip against Swayman or Allmark. I'll take Campbell in a coin flip against. Freddie Anderson or Rant. Even and Freddie fun, Anderson hasn't and looked funny, good lately. And funny. April, exactly. April Freddie's comeback. Have you noticed? I was about to say I saw that too. April Freddie's comeback. You got Pittsburgh with Jari, and Jari single-handedly lost Pittsburgh their series last year. And you got Washington, who is obviously yeah, they have no known for a lot of struggle, struggling goalies. Yeah. So, yeah. like, really, it, it is a, a crapshoot. So it is a crapshoot. Like so that's why. That's I'm why saying, like, it, like I get as your tough point. as you're the, trying to say that. Why aren't people saying that the Leafs can win? And no, it's not about in, them in winning. Way, I'm just in saying a way that I agree, but it's not about them winning. It's about giving them the credit where it's due. But Pat, like in this market, every, where, where do you expect them to get credit until they win? You know what I mean? Like, well, what are we doing? Like, but that's I, that, not. But that's not. But that's not where you lose me here because I'm trying to. Say no, but that's that, like, not the framework. We're, we're playing the game to win. You know what I mean? Until you win. What, what, what do you want us to do? Like, you know what I mean? Austin Matthews is going to break a goal record. But you can only comment goals. on what we know. You can only comment on what we know. And what we know right now is that they, they've struggled to win in the playoffs. And, and no, no, but, but the playoffs, but the, but, but the playoffs, like everything in sport, the great thing I like about sport is what happened last year really has no, no bearing on this year. Fair. And, and there's, there's argue, at least six that. new players on the team. Okay. Fair. We could argue, we could talk about that. What I'm ta- what I'm trying to say is that, the logo carries the the reputation. You know the logo I mean? carries it. The, the logo carries the reputation. The core of this team carries the reputation in the playoffs. Okay, in the regular, and uh, we've talked. We've talked about this. We've noticed this. The playoffs is about the moment. You know what I mean? It's about what can you do in the moment. But here's that clutch, that clutch gene in the regular season. Okay. You know what? Austin Matthews had five, six scoring chances against Florida. He didn't bury it. You know what I mean? At the time of the recording, he's about, he's going to go play Dallas. Like he's like, okay, I didn't get one tonight. I got next game. You know what I mean? In the regular season, there's that. And you could, you could equate this back uh, metric for whatever it is but I really do think it's a huge factor in the player's mindset is uh, there's next one. I, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get them next time. Regroup next time. You know what I mean? In the playoffs, like it's just 
the every moment, every play is so huge. And until you show that you're clutch enough to get it done, where, for example, Mitch Marner on that shorthanded goal, that am- amazing shorthanded goal that he danced Uyghur and danced Bobrovsky. You know what I mean? Like, if Mitch Marner does that in a game six or game five in like a second period or wherever where the Leafs are shorthanded and he does that, the narrative, like, like literally by the snap of my finger, I don't know if you could hear that, but the narrative switches. You know what I mean? Take that game from a Tuesday night in Florida in March, put it in May, fast forward a month, the narrative switches. Same thing with Matthews, a hat trick against Tampa in March, clutch, real clutch in the regular season. Fast forward a month, can he do that again? It's about those little moments. But here's, you know but I mean? here's my thing is you can't devalue what we know of the team today because we're not in the playoffs, right? So I can appreciate that this, this group has struggled. But here's the thing about 2018-2019. The Leafs were down 3-1 in that series. You they forced a game seven. You mean 17-18. Was it 17-18 against Boston the yeah. first time? They can't the get so much. So, 17, yeah, 17. Yeah. And they charged back from a 3-1 deficit to almost win the series. And they were yeah, the yeah. underdogs. They showed a lot of character. And that's been a theme with this Leafs team that, like, let's call it the Matthews era, Matthews Marner era, is that when the chips are down and their backs are against the wall, they come out swinging and they can do something. I th- like, my, my, like, the way I look at I the think playoffs. What it is, is that they want, they need to it's the put the nail in the coffin. You know what I mean? If someone's down, you got to find that it's, it's maybe it's not even a clutch gene as much as it is like the, the like, actually I'm going to use a word that they've mentioned already is the killer instinct. You know what I mean? Like put them away. When we were talking about that game in Boston uh, a couple weeks ago, Pat, or maybe it was last week, we were talking in the group chat and I forget who scored. Someone scored. I don't know. And, or uh, maybe it was Kerfoot or something. And then Matthews on the power play, he scored. And I was like, good. I was like, fucking bury him. I said, bury this team. Because if you let them hang around, they're going to, like, you give people hope. The longer it is, the clock keeps turning. You can get, you have to bury them in the moment. You know what I mean? Like that Brody breakaway. You know what I mean? I know people say, oh, that's ridiculous. If they, can, they can't hold a 5-1 lead, but they can hold a 6-1 lead. And people say, like, no. I don't think people understand that, like, those moments matter when you're up. You know what I mean? When you have a chance to add more and you have add more nails in the coffin, like Brody did on that breakaway there, you got to find a way to do it because that's, I think, what's holding this team back is that everyone can look back at that one moment where they're like, oh, if they just scored that one, then – maybe they wouldn't have blown that lead. And I'm just using this as an example. Then if they ended up capitalizing on that chance when they're up five, one, we're not talking about it. You know what I mean? But so, I still struggle. But- like I still struggle with the playoff losses. Like let's just go back to the, the, with the Matthews era, the first series against Washington. Did you have them winning? No, no. And, and, and we've talked about that before, Pat It's like that really the only two years where you expect, really expected them to win was was Columbus Montreal was Columbus Montreal right and that's let's just say if not if if it doesn't go good this year you know what I mean though it won't be this year that's their lasting legacy it'll be the two previous years 
that'll yeah. be their legacy. You know what I mean? Where, that will be like if the core breaks up and and whatever happens, then the the two previous years will be what. Yeah, it'll be the and, and to be honest with you, and, and Anthony, you and I have agreed on this is really that the loss to Columbus and the loss to Montreal were the ones that's probably stung the most. The other three, it was even the Washington series, they could have won it. Like they well, lost yeah, in exactly. six, but they just, pushed Washington as far as Washington could have gone. Exactly. Playing a bunch that, of rookies. And that's what happens when you lose, is that when you lose, you people will add more. Because in media, and especially on Twitter, is that people always go for the extenuate, like, they need to over-exaggerate the, the narrative to, for, to get a, their point across. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why when really the Leafs have only choked in two playoff series, everyone says, oh, they haven't won in six years. You know what I mean? Or five years, let's say. Yeah. So, like, that's why they talk about that. So... Overall, I think what we're what we're trying to get at is I is that the narrative of this team will be what will be that uh, an unsu- uh, an unsuccessful playoff team until they do it. That's the yeah, unfortunate. But, reality. but but for me is I I'd live I'd rather live in the moment. If I had so to worry yeah. what happened, like if I had to worry about what's happening tomorrow, I would never get out of bed, right? Like yeah, well, exactly. that's the part that's frustrating me is like let's enjoy what this team is today because. Anything can happen in the playoffs. They could face Tampa and Stamkos could get a crazy injury or Vasilevsky could go down with a, a groin pull in the first game. And and that's the series. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, like the not playoffs are such a crapshoot. We're, we're not cheering for injuries. Just to, no, no, I'm bad. just saying. We don't want, we don't want I, bad cards. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there that anything can happen. The referee misses a call like they did in 93, which changed that series. Anything can happen. In the playoffs, I I would rather look at what where they're at today, and celebrate the process, because I don't remember a Leafs team even with this modern group, where they were leading in certain defensive categories. Yeah, you're right. The the team has made tremendous strides, and that's why I think that. And I I don't know if we want to get onto our next topic here about it, but yeah, I, I think a good transition would be is. Uh, to talk now about the coach and, and really yeah. what he's doing to, to further this team along on their defensive, uh, on their defensive triumph, let's call it, is that, or their improvements or whatever you want but to even, call it. But even I would, throw out, I would throw out a congratulations to the assistant coaches. The assistant like, coach, the GM for, for starters, is the, the GM for starters should, deserves the most credit. You know what I mean? And this is why I'm praying that Kyle Dubas's job is not in jeopardy because he is the right guy for the job. Like I'm sold on that. Like you can't, there's again, there's no way to tell me otherwise that he hasn't, or there's no, sorry, there's no point of reference for the Dubas haters to say like, this is where he fucked up the team. You know what I mean? He has overvalued like one on more moves than he has lost and that is something that you cannot say for at least 20 gms in the league at yeah. least 20 gms in the league you know what i mean so he's took and taken this team from let's see when what the defense pairs if i can remember correctly gardner oh, it, 
It was, it was Gardner, Riley, Riley, Riley Zaitsev, Zev. Gardner. Oh man, was it Hainsey that year? Gar- yeah, it was. Pro- no, was it Hainsey? You're probably right now. I'm gonna look it up. And then there was, was Polak. It was, it was Roman Zaitsev. Polak was right. It was Zaitsev, Riley Gardner for sure. Connor Carrick was on the team. It would be the year after that. It would be that 2018 series, Pat, that we were talking about. Yeah. Where they, they took it to seven games. I'm going to pull it up right now. All right. Sorry. Here we go. It was Zaitsev on a, one of the worst deals in NHL history, not history, but in recent memory. Morgan Riley, Roman Polak, uh, Justin Hall, who barely played. He played a couple games. Ron Hainsey, Gardner, Dermott, Carrick. So I believe in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken, the par- the pairs were Gardner, Zaitsev, Hainsey, Riley, and some combination of Dermott, Polak, and Carrick. And I believe Marty Mernson played a couple games in that series just because he's a cat. He has nine lives, that guy. But that was their defense. You know what I mean? That was four years ago, literally. So now we are quite literally talking, and this will transition into my conversation about the coach. We are quite literally talking about a a realistic situation where we're sitting two NHL, clearly NHL-ready rookies in Sandine and Lilligren out of our top six for the playoffs. You know what I mean? Or in that case, we're sitting like like one of them. We, we one and I'm trying to for say me, is, is, like, is one of we them. Have eight, we have we have eight NHL defensemen. Defense. One Sandian's healthy, healthy. Yeah, that can play, so, like not just sheltered, like they, they can play, play. In NHL. Yes, you know what I mean. Yeah. And they've we've really built a strong court for a very affordable price. So that's why it starts with Dubas and the improvements there. The the personnel changes. Now we can talk about the, the structure and that has to do with the coach, the penalty kill. Thank you. Dean Chenoweth clearly has brought a sense of urgency and pace and pressure, puck pressure, speed and tenacity onto the penalty kill and not being stationary and not letting teams get set in our zone. He has brought that structure. He deserves a hell of a lot of credit for it. Thank you and good on the, the players for committing to that structure. But I do got a beef and I got, and, and, and I, and I got a beef with the head coach right now and I'm, and I'm starting and I'm not going to necessarily compare it to Babcock, but I'm starting to see a pattern of loyalty to some guys that I just don't think is warranted. I'm, I'm, I'm very last game against Florida I get it's a back-to-back but why is Justin or sorry Jake Muzzin coming in on the second half of a back-to-back I actually can't remember a time that the Leafs have done that where they brought in a defense anyone any player who has been hurt for that long to come in on the second half of a back-to-back they've always always came in where they've had a day of rest before the their game that they returned why Jake Muzzin had to go in against Florida, I don't know. That's got that's that that's a, a massive miss by Sheldon Keith, in my opinion. On top of that, 
you out of the people that you needed to scratch, you scratched Ilya Labushkin, who has come in and been uh, a steady presence beside our number one defenseman and is willing to do the things that, frankly, very few of the defensemen, or sorry, not as the majority of the defensemen are doing in terms of clearing the front of the net and how we know that that's a problem with the Leafs where the front of the net is free real estate. It's the cheapest real estate in North America right there. And you, you sit that guy. Now I thought when I saw that, maybe they want to give Labushkin a night off because he had that neck injury from the Boston game uh, with the hall uh, hit to his, uh, his head and blah, 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 all that stuff. So I thought it was injury related, but now it seems clear that they think Justin Hall is at least their sixth best defense, like in their top six. You know what I mean? And I'm that, that it really is a pain point for me because I'm watching these guys, especially Hall and Muzzin together on Tuesday. And it was painful to watch. It really was. I get the two power play goals with Sam Reinhardt are uh, are like in on the power play. Let's call it. Well, not let's call it. That was the actual fact of the matter. But like the guy's just sitting there in front, and Sam Reinhardt's not a big tough guy. Like, how can someone just let him stand there? You know what I mean? The first goal, like I really am, like Justin Hall's got. You gotta start cross checking people. And I know we think that we complain about cross checks as Leaf fans because the Leafs always get cross checked. But for the love of God, Pat, we've been talking about this forever. The the, the refs are not going to fucking save you, man. You have to do the same thing that they're doing yeah. to you because you if you lose at the end of the day, you're going to be saying like, Fuck, why didn't we do yeah, that? What, yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to be left with regret. So Justin Hall, I actually thought like he's, played okay beside Brody and clearly him and Muzzin don't work but Hall still has shown in moments that he's just like too soft in front of the net and I'm not even going to pick on Justin Hall in that sense because if Justin Hall was going to be paired with TJ Brody I guess I could be fine with that for a stretch of games but now you have to make a decision is it Muzzin or Hall that comes in yeah so clearly the coach is going to pick uh, Muzzin in that case so then now your decision is to sit Lilligren, who's been a very strong. Yeah. I thought, I thought him play, his play with Giordano has been lights out. Yeah. And you know what, we're going to see what Hall and Giordano look like tonight, but what I'm, what worries me and why I brought this up related to the coach is that it seems like the coach still thinks that Muzzin and Hall can work. And that is just like, we have to scrap it. Yeah, have at this to, point, we have to have scrap to it. have to have to scrap it. Yep. It cannot work. They are they were they just are too slow, right? And Muzzin has clearly regressed, and that it's a shame. I feel terrible, but in the playoffs, I still am confident that even seventy to seventy-five percent of uh, normal Jake Muzzin can be effective on a third pair or yes. quasi second third pair with. Like if you're going to have the left side be Riley and then Giordano Muzzin, and you're going to leave those bottom two pairs to like just distribute the ice time a little bit more evenly, as opposed to more to the second pair and then less to the third pair. I'm fine with that, but you need to find slots then on the right side 
that fit with regards to Labushkin, Brody, and I Hall, just don't see Hall. I so legit, Hall, Hall I personally don't. I, I personally don't see Hall as a defenseman. I feel comfortable having in the playoffs. I I, I sincerely don't. I like the Riley Labushkin combo. I, that worked for me. I'm even fine with Giro Daniel Brody. That would be solid for me. And we haven't you, seen that yet. And we haven't seen that yet. And I I am comfortable, like you said, with Muzzin on the third pairing, but I am putting in a Lilligren or Sandine on that third pairing. So what I'm worried about here, Pat, is and you bring up a great point, is I'm fine with Giordano Brody, absolutely, as our second pair behind a Riley Labushkin. But then that leaves four guys, and we know one of them that's taking the last – it's one of the two spots is Muzzin. With Muzzin. So if they're going to choose Hall, the, even then we're on a third the, pair, then yeah. it's Muzzin Hall. And even yeah. with the pairs that they're rolling out tonight where they're putting Muzzin with Brody and Giordano with Hall – why I'm not the biggest fan of that is because I'm just afraid that if it doesn't work or something happens, coaches go to what they know. Yeah. And that is a problem because not, not all of what they know is good shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you, if you're just like, going with what you're comfortable with your comfort food, like, yeah, you could be comfortable eating McDonald's, but it's not fucking good for you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, but like, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it just makes I, no I, sense I, that they would go back to that. I don't want them to go back to that. And that's what makes me scared about it because but, they can't, they, they need to find different iterations. But they don't need to. We know that the Giordano Lilligren, we, we don't, we haven't seen uh, Giordano with Sandin or Sandin yet, but we know that Lilligren Giordano pairing worked. Like, I get it. You want to bring Muzzin in, sit Hall, keep Lilligren in. Show him that if he has a good game, he's going to be rewarded. You know what I mean? Like, this is a kid that I, when I wrote my blog about him, I think he only played maybe 60 games in the last three years because of COVID, shortened seasons, injury, what, what have you. Yeah. He's now shown to be, because now he's playing more games, he's an NHL caliber defenseman. Oh, he's, sure. he's surpassed Hall. So why don't we just acknowledge this fact that both Sandin and Lilligren have passed Justin Hall? I, I am think, I think perfectly, it is, it, it, I am perfectly fine playing Muzzin and one of the rookie defensemen ten or twelve minutes in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fine with that as well. You could even put them put 15, them in like, put them in situations where you know what it's not like at the end of a period. You know, like go with your go, like go with O'Reilly and Lubishkin or Jordan or Brody in that type of situation. Put them in situations where, where they can excel. That would work. I for I don't know where they want to have this Muzzin Hall pairing, even on the third pairing. It doesn't work. And I don't know who's an anchor. Because I legit liked Hall with Brody. Uh, I honestly think it's Jake Muzzin. It and, could and, be. And and and, and the numbers would show that that it's Jake Muzzin. I saw a tweet today that, but then, but then, uh, you, but then you shelter Jake Muzzin because he brings you an element that Hall doesn't. Well, you know that, what I mean? That, and that's what I'm saying is that okay, you know what? If we're gonna just look at the analytics and say like, okay, like who's our best six? Like Jake Muzzin sitting, but are you sitting Jake Muzzin when he's 
willing to play? Like, no, you can't. No, you can't. He's fine on that third pair. I yes. think he'll be good on that third pair. And give him top, one of the, the rookies. Is, the, give him, like, give him another defenseman that has wheels. Speed. He needs speed because the problem is, is that you, again we talk about it all the time in the playoffs, weaknesses get exposed. Yeah. If you have a slow third pair that isn't like, and both of them aren't like mean guys, like you know what I mean. And Justin Hall is not necessarily a mean guy. Then you need to switch it up. You need a puck mover on that and line. Timothy Lilligren hits. Like right? he's a sneaky gritty player. Yeah, sneaky. Ex- exactly. I, exactly. So th- that why I'm hoping that they this is just a trial period. They might just be testing things out. I like the idea of Muzzin Brody to settle Muzzin down a little bit and but he needs get him some a little he, bit but, more but, acclimated. But the problem and maybe is maybe Giordano Muzzin- and Hall can work too. Like Giordano Actually, Giordano might be decent because in the same way, like I don't think Hall processes the game as much uh, or as good as uh, most defensemen. So maybe Giordano is a good partner for him to, you know, this is where you got to stand. This is where I'm going to be. This is where you need to be. And and if you give Hall simple direction, maybe it could be, it could work. So I'm willing to trust Keith in that sense. But what frustrated me with Keith, especially in the moment, and I told you about this, is that the Muzzin and Hall pairing was on for like four out of the five goals and they were still getting put out there. You know what I mean? And it's, it's frustrating to watch that as a fan, because you're saying like, like, are you, are you not seeing who's on the ice when goals are scored? You know what I mean? Lilligren Giordano weren't on for a goal for or against in that Florida game. (laughs) Like they just like nothing happened when they were on the ice. And honestly, in Tampa, no, in Florida. The I don't think Lil- – did Lilligren play against Florida? Yes, he did. Or oh, did he? he? Yeah, Labushkin sat. Oh, yeah, so, Labushkin sat. So, so it, was, uh, it was Riley Brody, Giordano Lilligren, Muzzin Hall, right? And the Muzzin Hall pairing – Was the I one that got eaten that alive. There was a, a couple of power play goals and all that, and, but that's fine. Like, what – why I'm worried with the way that Keith is – seems to be who he seems to be trusting is that you keep going back to what you know and what you know is just not working this year. Like I don't care if Hall and Muzzin were really good last year. You know what I mean? It's not working this year. So we need to find other ways to fix it. I think another thing that Keith needs to not be so stubborn about is the uh, Kerfoot, Nylander, Tavares line. Like we need to uh, get something sorted out there because I think that our second line needs to be a little bit more dangerous. And it just seems that they are not really willing to, to find them a better line mate. And maybe they're waiting for Andre Kasha to get healthy, but I just think that our second line needs to become more dangerous. And um, I like the third line with Nylander on it though. Yeah. Nylander can, Nylander can be good there. Nylander, Nylander, Kampf, Mikheyev. I don't mind it. It's starting to grow on me. Yeah. And right now, honestly, if Kasha is back healthy, God willing, and I haven't heard anything, so I'm not, I'm not so sure we'll see Kasha for the regular season again. Maybe at the end. I don't know. But I'd like to see Tavares with Kasha and like a Mikheyev, right? Two grinding speed guys. And I'd like to see I, – I don't mind seeing Nylander with Kampf and Engvall. 
because Engvall's kind of found like a little bit of a scoring touch and Engvall's a good and he, he, he can skate. Yeah. And, and he's a big body and he's got a little bit, getting a little bit neater, uh, meaner, sorry. And, and Nylander can play with that. You know what I mean? And yeah. have camp be, be the defensive presence there. That's fine. The only thing is there is that it takes away a shutdown option, but if that's the case, then no, I, I, so I, I would even personally, I wouldn't even mind Mikheyev going up with Tavares and Kerfoot and having that's Kasha Nylander camp. I'd be interested in that. And then you got Engvall, Blackwell, and someone. And someone. Like, like look, play with it. I guess yeah. the, the, the forwards, I think I, 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 I'm more inclined to feel like there's, I'm more inclined to play with the options in the forward unit. I'm not as sold on playing around with Justin Hall and Jake Muzzin. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, that's, that's actually a really good point. Is there, right. Like if, I'm if more where the change could, is going to come yeah, from. If the change is, it it's got to, yeah, I want on the defense. And like I said, for me and, and Anthony, you know this about me, I'm big on meritocracy. I just don't mm-hmm. see it in Hull. Give Lilligren and or and or send in a, a run in the playoffs. Let's see what the guys can do in a bottom pairing, um, because we're going to need to know what they are. Because the Leafs once again are be are going to need to find internal solutions to fill some of these roles. So we might as well know what Lilligren and or Sandin are. Exactly, and that's why I think that it it, it can't be Hall. We know who he is. And really, and, and this isn't to disparage the, the, the guy. Like, it seems like he's a good guy in the room. Everyone likes him. Good personality. That's fine. But like, to me, he's just, he, I just, I just, I, I need to see more. And like I said, like, I'm sold in on the right pairing. In the playoffs. You know what? I'm we, sold. Pat, we could look at this when we're recording, we're recording before the Dallas game. We're about to watch the game. If he looks good with Giordano, our minds could change tomorrow. That's Maybe. fine. Like, it, I, ideally, if you don't want to rely on rookies as much and you want to give tie goes to the veteran right now, then this is their six. You know what I mean? And this is probably how their six will look like game one, barring health, with Lilligren and Sandine as the seventh and eighth defensemen. So if that's the case, then hopefully it works. But I just hope that if it doesn't work, they're willing to give Lilligren that chance again. Yeah. and but That's really what, all I'm trying to say. But you know what scares me, Anthony, is – Anytime you have Hull and Muzzin as active, if something doesn't go right, you'll go back to that pairing during the game. If one of them is sitting, it forces different combinations. You know what I mean? Like, that's the part that's concerning to me, is if we're going to keep Hull and Muzzin, and let's just say, for example, Giordano and, and Hull let up a bad goal or a couple bad goals in a playoff game. Are we gonna see Hall Muzzin next game, or in that same game? You know what I mean. Like, I'd rather kind of remove Hall or Muzzin from the picture, and really allow guys that like Sandin and, and Lilligren to just shine. Like, we have to know what we have in them, and that's kind of would be where I go. Um, but to wrap up this podcast, you know, we'd be obtuse to not discuss the record year that Austin Matthews has put up Um, before we go into in depth, Anthony, I I just want to point out to our listeners, just a few key points that I, I I mentioned in in this week's blog, Austin Matthews goals per game is 0.84. Most since Mario Lemieux 0.86 that he was scoring at in the 86, 87 season. Ovechkin's best was 0.79 goals per game. 
Austin Matthews has the most points or goals per game in the cap era. 29 this, this goals. Season? Sorry, Pardon? this season? Uh, yeah, this season. Like most goals per game, most, highest goals per game average in a season. In a season. The caps became uh, a thing. Okay. Since, since the cap became a thing. Yeah. Yep. 29 goals in 31 games against teams currently in the playoffs. The next closest at time of me writing this blog was Leon Dreisaitl at 22 and 35 games. Leads the NHL with four hat tricks on the season. Has 40, okay, obviously now we're at 47 goals in 48 games because he didn't score in a game against Florida. But he also has an astonishing 66% goals for percentage at five on five. So not only is he scoring at a clip that we haven't seen, he's also playing a pretty high level of defense as well. 71 goals in his last 83 games. First Maple Leafs, first Maple Leaf in May, sorry, first in Maple Leafs history to have four separate goal streaks of six or more games. Pat, did you see? Can I just go back to one? Did you say um, that he had the highest five or what was his goals for percentage at 5v5? 66%. 66% at 5v5 this season, right? Yeah. So just to get into um, some quick thoughts here on the – I bet you I could see the goalie. And he, while you're pulling up that goal, stat, here's the, one the more to put stat. into perspective. Yeah, Here's ahead. one more. Yeah. Austin Matthews having the greatest goal scoring season in the 21st century. He's on pace to pass Steve Sanko's is 60 goals. And could even pass Alex Ovechkin 65 goals with a couple of bounces in the final 12 games. Yeah, he can definitely get to 65, I think. No? Or 66. Yeah, a well, couple, a couple be... two goal games, maybe I... even a hat trick against a, a lower. You know, you know, I know he's going to be hungry against Montreal on Saturday. Could he pocket a couple then? You know what I mean? Like what we are watching out of this one player is generational especially from this franchise. I and, and it's not think... a takeaway from Mitch Marner because Mitch Marner is having one hell of a year. And this comes from a guy that I was, I'll be the first to admit I was hard on Mitch. Um, I thought that, you know, he had more to his game. And the very thing that makes this season different is the very thing, Anthony, that we've all been arguing about on this podcast. And what is it? He needs to shoot more. Yeah. It's a very, very, it was a key to unlocking his, uh, his, let's just his call offense. It, his, his, yeah, his offense. But it's impact. made Austin Matthews' game easier because now teams have to respect Mitch's shot. So it, it opens up Austin for more looks because yep. it's not pass first Mitch anymore. Well, now you have to worry. You leave the shooting lane, he's going to take that shot. And then you have Bunting cleaning up the trash. Well, that's, that's just it, right? Is that you got you got now two threats to sh- to take shots on the net and now three uh, well, if you count if you count bunting yeah but let's just i'm talking about like uh, elite threats yeah elite we're, shooters are mitch yeah. and, and matthews yeah and and the puck's going in for mitch right now you know what i mean yeah. his, his shooting percentage has gone up so good on him right so happy for him about that but what we're trying to say here is that with mitch and austin they're clearly showing uh, another level let's call it excuse me so what i'm tr- what i'm trying to say here is that if he is 
if Mitch is going to be another shooting threat, the, the possibilities that are being open are obviously going to make it easier for Austin. But what's impressing me a lot right now is that their, their attitude around yeah. it, the whole thing, you know what I mean? I don't see, like, at least they're not showing it on camera. Um, I don't see them letting the, the achievements kind of get in their way a little bit. They're like, awesome. Matthew said someone talked when he tied or he got 50, someone's like, Austin, like, do you ever think about like what this is going to be, what this will impact on your legacy? And he's like, I got a job to do this year. You know what I mean? Like, like, and, and Mitch, I was very actually happy to see like when Austin got the 50, they, I love those videos at the least do after the game, the least blueprint and Mitch is kind of there. He's leading the charge a little bit. He's like, Hey guys, like hide the water bottles or he, he organized that little shower that Matthew's got. So they're finding that balance of, okay, like we have to recognize and appreciate the achievements that are being uh, accomplished this regular season. But I, I, I do like to think that they're not letting themselves get too high and, uh, and hopefully not getting too low on, on games like this. And that's really going to be what decides uh, their success in the playoffs is, is, is frankly the success of these two guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Leafs essentially, it, the Leafs essentially banks ex- on these two. It doesn't even extend to necessarily Taveras and uh, Nylander. You know what I mean in that case? No, it, it, it really is them too. It's them and, too. And, and that's not, to, and people don't, people in the comments or wherever, whoever's listening, like don't take this as like, oh, the Leafs are only, how, how do the Leafs expect to win if they don't, if their success is uh, banked on two guys? Like literally look at any cup contending team. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Florida Panthers, if, if Huberto and Barkov aren't being, aren't scoring. Aren't, aren't scoring, like they're relying on who? Sam Bennett and, Sam Reinhardt or Marchment, like, yeah, not even Marchment. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just like every team has a duo, like Point and Kucherov. Tampa needs those too. Bergeron, Marchand, or Ber- Pasternak, Ber- okay. uh, Marchand. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it is, it's imperative, right? Yeah. So if these guys can get going and, and finally really bring the, the level – of excellence that we've seen this season into the playoffs. I really do think that we're going to be happy about uh, the results, some, some results. So, Oh yeah. I, I'm, I'm, looking like, forward I'm, to that. I'm looking forward to it. like that. That's like, it's a I hope don't, that kills you, but you got to have hope. Like you said, Pat. Yeah. Like, like I, I never been one to wave the white flag before I know the outcome. Like I'm not going to proclaim like, and in none of my tweets, have I ever said the least are going to win the Stanley cup. In any of my defense of this team, I'm just saying, let's celebrate the moment. They're the fourth best team in the NHL as of this recording. They hold the best power play, the fourth or fifth best penalty kill. They're trending in the right direction. Defensively, they've never been this tight defensively. Obviously, goaltending has been an issue, and maybe that's made the defense look bad when, you know, a, a when, when you're getting below league average goaltending, everyone starts to look bad. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you start looking at the box scores more often. It's like, well, at least it up five goals or three goals or four goals. There's something wrong with the defense. If the Leafs can get Jack Campbell back to where he played against the Montreal Canadiens, the Leafs go on a run. 
You give yeah. the Leafs team like didn't Jack Campbell finish with like a point nine two three goals against average last year? In against playoffs, Montreal yeah, in the playoffs? Yeah, something like that. If he if he can even just replicate that, the Leafs are good if the Leafs can score like they're scoring. And and the one thing that never gets talked about, and a lot of us fans don't like talking about it because it it it, it doesn't really fit in anyone's real narrative. But what we've seen in Mitch Marner. Austin Matthews, even to a larger extent, he doesn't really get a lot of credit for, I think we blow out of proportion his really bad games and we kind of just are like ho-hum his good games, but we're watching these players mature and it's this really weird thing and, and you can see the change. Last year, if you watched that documentary after they lost the series, you saw the genuine pain on those kids' faces when they lost to Montreal. This team looks angry. I was about like, to say that. That's the word that I'm looking they for. They look I angry. Think, They're I angry. They, I just don't. I, I don't even think it's angry. I just think they just don't give a like. Uh, not, I don't want to say actually don't give a fuck. They they are like. It's it's a fucking business. You know what I mean? Like like I think that's what they're thinking. They're they're just saying like. Like good fucking next. You know what I mean? Like yes. Whatever happens, good next. Like like what what's going on? And, and look, that doesn't guarantee him shit in the playoffs, but it's a hell of a lot more uh, encouraging yeah. to see that as opposed to like, yeah, 50 goals or yeah, we're going to break the record. Let's go. Like, uh, I think he's the best in the league. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, th- this, uh, not, this is like, a team like, that's not, not buying into the that. paper clippings. Like they're no. not like, Austin Matthews, he's like, I, and you know, like even when they asked about tying Rick Vives record, it's like, yeah, I did it. You know, I'm, I, you know, I can't believe it's been this long, but we still have work to do. I know probably behind the scenes, you know, he's happy, you know, he's going to have his moment with Rick. Um, you know, and I, I really do. I, I'm, I'm a big softy for the passing of the torch moments. And I think it'll be a really special moment to see, you know, Rick come out and, and congratulate Austin for you know well, like, for for setting the new record right but yeah, you have to appreciate those things because you you don't nothing's guaranteed in no, life, but we haven't seen I mean? it in a franchise well, when that, have the Leafs saying, ever had a generational guaranteed. talent and they've got two like Mitch Marner is a generational talent for the couple bad years that he had and we were hard on him I was hard on him I will forever be grateful that we never traded him well, I'll say this. Like, I don't know if he's generational um, in the overall sport of hockey sense, but I, I will say that he's generational for uh, from a Leafs perspective. You know what I mean? Like, especially we haven't seen we haven't franchise. seen two players play and, like this and, and and on the same team. Like, so I think really that's what people need to appreciate. Like Sunday um, never had a winger. Right. And then I think the closest one, too, was Dave Anderchuk and Doug Gilmore. But they were sort of on the tail end of their careers. Right, like they really fell off after the, the the two playoff runs. Like '93 was special. Then they had a, a quasi one in '90, I want to say in '94, and then that team aged out pretty quickly because then they traded yeah. Wendell Clark to acquire Matt Sundin. Yeah, so if like in so really, like we haven't seen guys that we've drafted, essentially developed, do this. So let's just appreciate even just that. You know what I mean, like. This franchise is doing a lot of the right things, and you can still do a lot of the right things and not win. That's the crazy thing about sport. It's unpredictable. 
But that's what makes it fun. That's why they play the games. That's why we as fans watch the games. That's why you and I, Anthony, report on these games. Is you never know what the next story is going to be. Exactly. And that's why we're looking forward to the stretch run. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there, there really is nothing better than playoff hockey. Like, there, nope. there, there truly isn't. And it's because of the emotion, the emotional yeah. swings. You know what I mean? Like, it really is like everything matters times a billion. Yeah. So that's why I think that, like, I think it's the best time of the year. You know what I mean? And like, and like we're, I said, we're, it, it is we're currently in it. Like, and, the, I, the mass, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I know a lot of us stopped believing if we can wrap up the podcast with kind of this final thought, but there is far too much within the process from game one of this year to game where we're going into tonight's game against Dallas, that there's a lot for you to like. Yeah, there's, there's a lot, a to, lot. Be, there's there's a a lot, lot to be happy about and, and excited and- about and, and hopeful about. And I just, I don't, I, I find that a lot of us because, and I believe that the Leafs are probably, and maybe Montreal um, is probably up there too with the Leafs, is if you micro analyze one team and only watch one team, you will only see their faults. What I've started to do since we started this, pod, this blog and podcast is I've actually started to watch more games and looked up more information on some of the rival teams and gotten to know a little bit more about the league. And you realize that every team has its deficiencies. Like Florida's having its issues with Proboski. Tampa's on like a bender that and we haven't def- seen and, them go and on. And their defense, Florida. Right? Defense like, is a problem. Especially Boston, with that slide, Boston, Boston's playing well now, but they had their stretch. You know, they're going into the playoffs with a rookie goaltender. And some injuries. like And some like, injuries that are starting like, to pile up. Like what, what I think what, what, what you're trying to say is that it's like, don't be negative until the puck drops in the game one is what you're trying to say. Yeah. 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 Like we don't and, know. And I can like, get behind that. I can right? definitely like, get behind that. Like as much as the Leafs could completely sh- shit the bed this playoffs, we could see a different outcome. But until we know the outcome, let's not project on this group. There's enough pressure on them as it is. You know what I mean? Like, let's just accept them for what and who they are. And let's just enjoy where we're at and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, because today is really bright. You know, it's like it's like in the middle of summer, you have all this sunshine for weeks. You're not sitting there thinking, well, tomorrow it's going to rain. Exactly. Right. And, that, so, and, and that's, and that's what we got to worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. You worry about today, today. And, that, and that's how, and that's how you got to progress. Exactly. And any final thoughts actually to wrap up this quite lively podcast for this week, Anthony? Um, not really. I think we're, I think we're, uh, we touched on it all. Um, I might, I'll give a, our teammate Amanda a shout out um, just because I want it on the record. <laughs> on the hot streak that she's on for research purposes, of course. Um, so, and I don't know if she tweeted it out yet, but I'll, I'll reference what she said in our group chat. She's got uh, Matthews camp and Brody and possibly bunting to, uh, to pot one tonight, obviously for reach for research purposes. So yeah, um, nothing, nothing, nothing ill will there. But she's, she's been just, on a, she's been on yeah. a little bit of a roll. If we can show, you know, honestly, I throw out some love to, to Amanda. Uh, She's been nailing some of these game day picks like nobody's business. And I think and she's going to hate to hear this, but everyone she writes about, it goes on a heater. So I think <laughs> Pat, 
as the uh, as the executive here, you need to just assign her like twenty three different uh, blog assignments on each player profile. Uh, one, throw throw one, out some one, early throw yeah, out some one, early playoff love to Justin Holland and Jake yeah, Rosen. like like once game one starts, <laughs> I don't know, maybe just throw something out there and give uh and give the player profiles out to the people yeah. and uh, and spread some of that 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 good. Uh, that good, that, that, yeah, that, that good, yeah, that, that, that positive, karma, that positive energy, good vibes, anything that we can get our hands on for the playoffs, we will take. So that's uh, that's where I'm at. That this has been a fun conversation, Anthony, as usual. Uh, to all our listeners, you know, feel free to check out all our latest blogs at centerstation.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, to keep track of all our um, blogs and podcasts you can also subscribe to our mailing list um, and yeah and definitely check out some of our sponsors as well Foco USA the counselor on Queen West here in Toronto for all your game day um, I, I guess just you know watch trying to catch some games on those game days check out counselor on Queen West uh, this has been fun thanks everyone for listening take care Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.